1: Welcome to the Instructor Podcast Green Room Edition. This is a show where we look at the latest news and industry-specific topics for us driving instructors. As always, I am your you know wonderful and splendid host Terry Cook. But you'll uh, you'll be delighted to know that it's not just me. I am joined by the man of many talents, the the theory test explained and DITC and God knows what else legend that is, Chris Spencer. How are we doing, Chris?
0: Hello, I'm good. How are you? You don't sound good. <laughs> no, I'm. I, no, I, I am. I'm. I'm having a brilliant day. It's. It's just been fun. There were rainbows and everything. It brightens your day up, unless oh. you're in Qatar.
1: <laughs> no. No, don't start me off. <laughs> um. We'll. We'll. We'll put a pin in Qatar for now. Uh, and we'll, we'll move on. Um, but okay. we do like rain, Just been foggy over here today. Uh, first question I've got for you, uh, cause I've never asked you this question, I don't believe. What are your thoughts on the uh, Black Friday deals?
0: Oh, anything that makes me have to delete more emails from my inbox. And then you think you've finally escaped the blooming things and you hit Cyber Monday. I No. Well, you know, if you want something, it's a great way to get it cheap. But I just, it's too American and i waste time deleting emails
1: i i don't think i've told this story before but i'm so i think i get away with telling this but i had an epiphany around black friday a few years ago when i decided to do one for driving lessons and i thought i'm going to offer a discount on like block payments for driving lessons i think this was back in 2019 when i first went independent um and i thought this is a great idea and uh, I can't remember what discount I gave, but I gave some discounts out and someone texted me and said, I paid a few days ago full price. Do you think it's fair? And I'm like, no, it's not really fair, is it? And that made me look at Black Friday a different way. And now I don't like Black Friday deals because anyone that paid a month ago, now we've seen everyone else pay however much less So gone off that anyway as i said at the start i show this is a uh, news and industry specific topics uh and clearly we've gone on a tangent already but there is plenty of news to get stuck into chris uh, and the first thing i want to ask you about because you are much more knowledgeable on this than i am is the big learner relay because uh it was year nine this year and that is concluded so do you want to just tell us how that went and was it a success
0: yeah um I enjoyed myself. I, I People might have seen photos of me dressed as a bottle of champagne uh, with my partner dressed as a, uh, a a lump of cheese. Just to explain them, the, the party at the end was smart with a hint of vintage. Most people went Peaky Blinders, but, you know, um, I'm, I'm not most people. I like to think differently. Um, and the first thing that came to mind was cheese. Um, and then we went, all right, cheese and wine. I couldn't get wine. I got champagne. Um, So, yeah, it it was a really good event. Um, We we got lots of people following lots of cars around. And then we all ended up at Goodwood at the end of things. Uh, So for anyone who doesn't know, this goes on over two weeks. So uh, the lovely Lou Walsh sat in the back of a car for two weeks. Um, She was vintage by the end of it. Um, But we ended up at Goodwood uh, with, I I think there were 64. Four sixty-five 65 cars at, at goodwood something like that um got to go around the track twice um which was was great you know just an experience going around um there's there's just something about that following lots of other cars around the track um and then we got a nice party afterwards the more important thing was uh that we were raising the money for children in need being official non-commercial partners for children in need being allowed to have pudsey st- stuck on the cars um and i'm i'm going with a guess because we haven't yet got an official figure on on the money but on the night we were about 35,000 so i think we can comfortably say that we're probably going to be at uh, the the 40 40 plus mark this year. So, you know, I, I stand to be corrected and, and shot for getting it wrong. Um, but I, I would say we're probably around there, which which is awesome. That's £40,000 that we wouldn't have raised otherwise. And all of that to one side, the number of PDIs that were involved this year was massive. New instructors as well. So they are people who are learning the the modern friendly and united industry that we now know and love. So um, the BLR continues to do to do great work. The, the sad news, um, which I think some are still reeling from, is that Lou announced that next year is year 10 and is going to be the last year of the Big Learner Relay. Um, I'm yet to figure out what that means. What I do know is if anybody knows Ed Sheeran, I've set myself a personal goal for the song Please, can he get in touch?
1: Yeah, I mean, if anyone knows Ed Sheeran, get in touch with Chris. Uh, Someone's if- got to. I'm not sure they're going to be listening to this podcast. I think that's the thing.
0: Six degrees of separation.
1: Where there's a will, there's a way. Uh, I just want yeah. to touch on a couple of things there. So, first of all, you mentioned the number of, you know, potentially cracking forty grand. Um, I think that's pretty awesome. You know, we've both seen some negative comments about the Big Learner Relay, and everyone literally is entitled to their opinion. I'm not dismissing anyone's opinion, but what I will say is that that's £40,000 that wouldn't have been raised unless, um, without Lou or... And 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 other actually leading this and, and organising that because it's all well and good saying well why don't driving instructors just do this but that takes someone to spearhead it um, so yeah that's a lot of money that wouldn't been raised um, personally I've managed to raise a little bit I'm not going to give a figure yet it's not as much as I'd hoped but. I managed to raise a little bit to through the premium for people signing up in November. And there are still a couple of days left. In fact, when this goes out, there'll be one day left in November where you can sign up and your sign-up fee will be donated to the Big Learner Relay. However, you need to think carefully about that because I also set myself a goal at the start of the year to have someone sign up every month. So you have to think, do you want your £10 to go to the Big Learner Relay or do you want to wait till December and help me achieve my annual goal? children need or Terry in need this is the choice that you have to make but with regards to being the last one I, I do find that really interesting because and, and really relevant to, to this discussion because something that you've said quite a bit over the past year that you know we've done the, the green room you've spoke about the big learner relay now being a, a you know kind of the stalwart thing in the industry and people coming in and just mm-hmm. expecting it to be done and now it's not going to be there anymore you know, I'm not necessarily going to ask you to to give us your thoughts on that because I can see that you're also a little bit conflicted around that, but I think it's going to be really interesting to see what 2024 is like at that point and, and if there's something else that takes over, not necessarily a charity event, if there's another event that takes over.
0: There's been a lot of things that haven't happened because we've got the big learner relay. So there, there's been something filling a void. There's been something going on. Um, you know, And there's been a lot of things that came before the big learner relay that didn't take off. It, it, it is amazing in what's been done, and we will be reflecting on that over the next year, absolutely. But there's a lot of things that haven't happened because it's been there and there's been commitments to that that have stopped people in, in maybe doing other things. So I'm ever enthusiastic and, and looking forward to see something new coming through um, I, I look forward, I, I welcome everybody to step up to that challenge and find find something that will unite and inspire, not just locally or just on social media, which is a limited world and we have to remember that, um, but actually in the real world, inspire something, development, change, and it, it might be charity, it might be professional um yeah maybe we can we can find some way to unite the two
1: yeah uh there, there's obviously things out there now but it's going to be interesting to see what what happens there. Uh, but anyway uh it, it was a success it was good for me to be a, a little small part of it this year hosting the the podcast which was great fun um and i i enjoyed speaking to people I met some wonderful people doing that podcast
0: and I, I loved it. it. It was brilliant. And uh, have, having been on the other end of things previously, it was nice to sit back and enjoy each day instead of be pulling my hair out that I was supposed to be talking to someone or or getting it published or everything else. So I'm glad you got that stress, and I, I did thoroughly enjoy it. You did a cracking job. I didn't doubt it for a second. Um, and it's it's nice to see. It must be like musicians who hear – someone take on a song that they've written and do it in a totally different way um i think there's that danger that you're going to hate it but uh, you know you did you did good I, I enjoyed it
1: thank you how amused were you uh on the episode that i pretty much completely lost my voice so <laughs>
0: No, I, I I was amused. My mum was very concerned. She was genuinely. She didn't care about me at that point in time. She, all she wanted to know was, "Is Terry all right?" Um, so so yeah, I, you know, it was uh, it, it was a a really enjoyable process going through. And the other thing I've I've had a lot of people comment on, um, which was nice to not to have to be part. You know, I I did it, but I didn't have to be part of it. Was the Almost mini series of the bits about the songs um and uh, uh, there are a couple of people who have been listening to it in the car and kind of enjoyed the story of, of the relay as well so um so there was you know, just the way that you put things together there was a lot of positive feedback so um we, we we I'm expecting that we'll see you again or hear you again rather next year
1: we'll see it depends if I've got a voice
0: <laughs> um,
1: it it's a little, little bit behind the scenes for you now um I think when I recorded that episode, there was 60 seconds of me talking at the beginning, and that was it. And it took me about 10 minutes to record, because I had to keep pausing between sentences. Why I didn't just message you and say, "Will you just record this six seconds for me? I don't know, but there you go. Um, pride gets in the way of a fall, <laughs> I suppose. Um, had some fun lessons that day as well. <laughs> like, left! Left! Um, no! Break! Um, That was fun. Either way, moving on from the big learner relay. um, There is some other little bits of news I want to just mention uh, uh, to anyone that may not be aware and possibly share an opinion on. So the theory test, uh, this has amused me greatly today. Um, They are now sending out digital theory test results, but you are still getting the paper pass certificate because they can't send out a digital one yet, Um, which makes me wonder why they're sending out digital very test results,
0: yes, <laughs> okay, and uh <laughs> i i what I don't get it I'm hoping this is like we've come to expect um a flaw in communication from the d v s a and there's logic and thought behind it, and we'll go, oh, why didn't you just say so at the moment i i why um and If we're going to change anything about the theory test, I've got a list as long as my arm (laughs) that we can change before we bother with the certificate. So please get in touch. I'd love to talk about it. Yeah, actually, do
1: you know what? Now, while while we're speaking, there, I think possibly may assist it. You know, when they pass the theory, do they get two pieces of paper? They get like a results paper and the certificate.
0: I yeah, I'm I'm not sure because um, it's that thing that you're not often there, right? Me now, if everything they're in scotland and ireland and you know um i'm definitely not there um i yeah i'm not sure at all
1: because what i'm thinking is if if you get a certificate and the results paper then they have the amount of paper they're using which could be it but still either way um that they did send out that email i think today actually um the digital theory test results are now going digitally not on paper um it's also that time of year again, Chris. Um, it's not just a time for jolly old Nick and uh, Mariah Carey. It is the awards season. Uh, the Intelligent Instructor have currently put out their their awards where you can submit stuff and put yourself forward as Driving Instructor of the Year and all, all that malarkey. And Go Roadie are going to be putting out their awards soon. And if there's anyone else that does awards I don't know about, I apologise, but they are only two I know. Um, how do you feel about the award season, Chris?
0: I've I've always got mixed views. Um, I would love to live in a world where people recognise awesomeness in other people to the point at which that they kind of go, I'd like to give you recognition in some way. But I tend to find that most of these awards end up being that you have to put yourself forward and um, – it doesn't feel very British um, in in doing that, so it's it ends up not being an even playing field because some people are happy to self promote and and to say, do you know what I, I I've been putting all this effort into this, and, and this is what I do. It might be about a product or a service, or or just about the fact that you know you feel that you're doing over and above. But then there's people that are doing over and above as well. But aren't going to put themselves forwards and and therefore it doesn't feel that it's even and 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 fair and open to everybody. Obviously anyone can apply. But you know, I think if it was all right. <laughs> if it was the DVSA looking down the tip data and going, these are the instructors that are performing really well, let's recognise them, and it's taken from something tangible, I think I'd like it more. I, I just always kind of feel like it's lovely and i you know i've i've been awarded a number of different things for different reasons and and it's great um and they look nice on the mantelpiece and um you know i I do appreciate the recognition but I just think i the box of chocolates that I get from someone that i've helped possibly yeah they don't spend as long on the mantelpiece I can promise you that but I I just wonder whether those mean mean more, it, and you know, do, does it? If you go to a company that has won X Y Z awards, does it mean anything that that come you know from the service you get as a customer from that that company? So I'm I'm not anti them at all, and I I. Congratulations to anyone who gets one. Um and I, I will openly change my mind if I uh, am, am gratefully awarded anything um <laughs> and be appreciative of it. Because I, I will be appreciative of it. I just think that sometimes if it makes other people feel that they're not doing a good job or people who really deserve some recognition don't get it, um I I just I wonder whether it ends up being, you know. Um, just a token gesture.
1: I get what you're saying, but I think I disagree. And I think I disagree from the perspective of, I I use this podcast as an example. I have to promote this podcast. I have to showcase this podcast uh, on social media, talk about the excellent guests. I have to talk about some of the good stuff I do. Even... I think before we started recording today, I think I said something to you about I'm even going to say this nice thing about myself. You know, and it's like a couple of years ago, I wouldn't go out publicly and say, Terry, you're good at this. And but it's something I've had to do because if I don't showcase this podcast, no one's going to know the podcast exists. Or if I were to do a post about this podcast saying, come and listen to my mediocre podcast, it might be all right. Check it out. See what it's like. Actually, it might work, but I'll give it a go. But the the premise being that you, there has to be a point where you get over that. So as you've said with the awards, yes, it would be great if other people were nominating you rather than nominating yourself. But that's still an even playing field for me because you can still nominate yourself. So I don't think it's an uneven playing field. I didn't nominate myself last year so because I didn't feel confident enough to nominate myself. Even though I knew I was producing a good product, I didn't feel like I could do that. For me, now don't get me wrong, I'm much like you. You know, if, if I would love to win something, it would be great. It would be awesome. Like you say, you can go and then bladder that all over and saying, yes, I've won this. It's great for promotion, and it's nice knowing that people have – voted for you or said nice things about you or, or whatever it is. But for me, the, the the I think the thing I take the most pleasure from personally, selfishly, it's like the, the Driving Instructor of the Year award thing. I've just sent all my students just a, a blank message, not blank, sorry, blanket message, not a blank message, um, just saying, uh, it's the Driving Instructor of the Year awards. Um, if you think I've done a good job, you're more than welcome to vote for me using this link. Um, but please don't feel obliged. You know, you don't have to vote for me. And also, if you don't want to vote for me because you don't think I've done a good job, please tell me how I can get better. That's, That's literally kind of the message I've sent. There's been no pestering. There's been no nagging people. just been a message like that. And what I've loved, I think, to the point now where I don't even care at all where I finish in terms of the awards, is some of the messages people have replied with. Because then, yeah, I'll vote for you, of course I'll vote for you because of this. And it's like, that's not what I was angling for. That's really nice. It's nice that you've said that, or you won't necessarily realise the impact you've had on someone. No, I was having a a conversation with a student's parent today, which is very relevant to the last few episodes that I've done on here. Um, And, you know, she was talking to me about how her kid's confidence has been knocked after she, you know lost a job at work and the the way her other parents been towards her and she don't feel like she can drive and I would we were having a really sort of good chat about I'm saying, look, she's I'm I'm specifically avoiding saying names here, just in case, but she's um I said she's awesome. I said she really is. She's picking it up well. Yes, there's things she's struggling with because of the ADHD and so on and so forth. But she's doing brilliantly. So the fact that to the point where she she's let a guard down with really that much. At last session, she said one of the reasons she struggles to focus is because my car's quite bland inside. So can she prettify my car? And I'm like, yeah, of course she can. And I told her mum this, and the mum's apologised to me. Oh, God, I can't. I'm like, no, let her do it. I said, as long as it's not permanent, I'm all up for that. And it's yeah. those sort of things that sometimes you don't always see until you actually ask someone, i.e. for an award.
0: Possibly, but the, I think that you, you've helped me clarify my point. I prefer the random acts of kindness. They mean more to me. Um, and I don't like knowing that other people feel that, you know, you're better than them in some way when we should all be trying to strive for our personal improvement. As you said, um, if someone's got – uh, ADHD, their um, learning, learning pro- progress and, and process might be different. We shouldn't be comparing them like for like for someone who hasn't. Um, and that's not to say that they're going to be worse; they might be better. Um, the, you know, the the vigilance of someone with ADHD is is you know um, is incredibly useful in driving if you can channel it. But in the same way, you should be getting that recognition for for engaging with her need for. Prettifying your car, I think you should turn up with little beard baubles. um
1: I've got some somewhere.
0: I I, I don't doubt it for a second. um So so yeah, but I, I I just I I want to live in this lovely little world where it's about individual recognition. There's an episode of, of I think it was Sliders where everybody's got a like and a dislike button and they they have a value and if someone does a lovely thing for you you can you can add a like to them and someone is gives you bad service you give them a dislike and there's a social value and once you fall below that social value then you know you're in trouble in the world and everybody's striving to to be be good at what they do. It doesn't matter what it is. It's just that positivity and that's the thing that these lovely shiny trophy things I think sometimes, I don't know, I, I, and it's not that I, I won't love one and it's not that I don't love the ones that I've, I've got. My favourite one, just because it's worth sharing and you'll love this, I got an Industry Achievement Award from the DIA, which is one I am very, very grateful for. Because all of the things that they listed as my achievements were Ian Brett's, um, <laughs> and he'd done all of them, a lot of them before we were working together, <laughs> and I had done lots, and and it was you know I I didn't feel it wasn't er- earned um, as recognition, <laughs> but it wasn't for those things, um, and uh, he still holds it against me, um, and you know, but it's my in- industry achievement award, and he can get stuffed.
1: I once won an award for being more Yorkshire than Jeffrey Boycott. (laughs) And that's the only award I can ever remember winning. And I think I've won a couple of it, years, But um, I I, I do completely agree with what you're saying. I think from my perspective, when I look at it, it's, it's very much like I like... Uh, how can I? Fr- so I like publicly recognizing people. Like if you mm-hmm. look at the core of what this podcast is—not the green room, but the, the standard instructor podcast—you look at what the core of all that is. It's showcasing other people. It's not showcasing yep. me. It's going. I think this person is awesome. Or, I think what this person is doing is awesome. Let's showcase them. And I, I think that you know to get that public recognition, how else are we going to do it? You know, there's only one person doing what I'm doing now, and that's me. So how else are we going to get this public recognition? The only way to do it really is, is through these awards. And I don't necessarily think it's uh, – maybe it is, I don't know, but it's core, it's not this person or this thing is better than this. It's just we've got to recognize it somehow, and this is how we're doing it. And and I I don't dismiss that. If, if the instructor podcast or, or I was mentioned somewhere, brilliant. If I'm not, I'm not losing sleep over it. But like kind of what you were saying there about people almost working with disadvantaged and advantages, I'm not 100% sure where I'm going with this, but I'm going with it anyway. Um, you know, when this, podcast, when this podcast was launched, I don't work with an association. When this podcast was launched, I haven't got a Facebook group with thousands of people in it. I literally, when this podcast was launched, I had my mum that was going to listen that that's where I've grown it from. So and she didn't turn up. <laughs> she's never listened once. Um, <laughs> and you know, I, I talk about stats a lot, and this is the thing: I'm never afraid to mention my stats online. And I I always say that on on a, a season one, it took me a month to get a hundred people downloading one show. Um, this season, I'm usually doing a downloads in the first day or two. So you can see how it's grown there, but it's that that sense of recognition of not necessarily winning, but being mentioned. Maybe winning's the wrong term, so maybe I am actually agreeing more than I realize, but the sense of of recognition where, and also this is what I like about it, is when you're submitting yourself, you've actually got to think about what you've achieved, which in itself is a good thing because it's making you be quite introspective and go, you have done a good job there, Terry. Well done because you've done this, this, and this. And, um, yeah, so I, I think I'm probably a little bit of a bigger fan of them than you are, though I know you don't dislike them, but I think I'm a bit more of a fan than you are because I like seeing people get that recognition, whether it's me or or the DITC or whoever it is. It's like, I love that they've got that, and I love that it's a bit more of a spotlight on our industry, and I love yeah. that someone can go somewhere and say, yeah, I was have voted the best driving instructor in the UK. Does it mean anything? Probably not, if we're being honest, you know, but... How cool is it that someone can say that? You know, not everyone yeah. would be able to say that, but the fact that someone can, I think, is a brilliant thing.
0: I just a, a final point. I think maybe we need to make more of an effort for that public recognition. I think you're really good at that. Um, you will put up a random post, and, and you know, there was one the other day that you you kindly mentioned me in um, for International Man's Day because uh, we needed that um and uh you know it yeah it, it was lovely and that 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 meant i meant so much more than ian's dia award um and uh you know i did i did similar i was sending a, a an email to uh to love day rider and mentioned a, an awesome local examiner in it um who who i know has got now got a a letter from love day saying brilliant when we get this recognition maybe we're too e- too eager to point out where they go wrong and actually you know singing singing praises of of the individuals it's not monetarily worth anything but if it makes them you know uh, understand that they're appreciated then you know that's got to be a good thing
1: yeah and two points before we move on uh, you mentioned there about uh, being keen to point out where people are wrong we will be coming on to the dvsa shortly Um, But no, that's, that's a really good point. And it's something that I try really hard and I'm still shit at it, which is when something, you go to a restaurant, you receive bad service, we all complain. Whether it's socially on social media or telling your friends or whatever, or writing, I say a letter, you don't write a letter anymore, email complaint or whatever. I try to make a point now of doing what you've done. If someone does something that I'm really impressed by, I will sing about that. Because why shouldn't we? If we're going to bitch, I'm getting a bit sweary, apologies. If we're going to complain and whine and throw a little hissy fits because we don't like what someone's doing, we should be equally as positive when we do like what someone's doing. I'm a, I'm a big believer in that. The other thing I wanted to mention was International Man's Day. Uh, You mentioned it there. If anyone is wondering why there wasn't a podcast in celebration of International Man's Day, but there was one for International Women's Day back in March, that's because I'm a man and I do the podcast every single episode, so I don't need to celebrate men because... Just look at the stats. There's a lot more men here than there is women on this podcast and in the industry. Although, I think I've said this before, uh, 46%, I think it is, of my listeners are female, which when you consider the fact that the industry there's only got 23% of ADIs are female, that's quite an interesting statistic.
0: It's, it's either that they value it more or you're a stud.
1: Uh, I think it's both especially when I get those Christmas baubles on my beard. Um, so that's that. Now, I think we need to take a moment to set the table because we've been talking for nearly half hour and we've not really introduced ourselves. So Chris, you ought to take a moment to tell people where they can find you, two of the many things that you do and uh, anything else you want to mention.
0: Um, what, what people can't see is I'm sat in my nice new branded top um so uh yes i i do two things uh i do i do do more than that apparently but um i am chris Bensted. i am uh one of the duo behind the driving instructor and trainers collective the ditc uh which is the signposting platform for the driving instructor industry if you are looking for something and you don't know where to find it get in touch Uh, we we try hard to get as much onto the website and into our socials as we can but actually there's a lot more stored in the grey matter so if you can't find it we probably can Um, if you don't know where to start looking we can probably help Uh, the other one which is the top that i'm wearing is um, i am a theory training specialist i gave up my car um, mid covid and uh, haven't looked back because I am now fighting the fight against the rubbish theory test that we've got in the UK the suffering that a lot of the candidates have uh, as they try to um, try to tackle their way through it and uh, trying to change that so getting you know some engagement with the DBSA always welcome well welcoming more um and trying to change that so if you're looking for me if you're interested theory test explained on facebook for that one uh if it's the ditc the ditc.co.uk is your best stopping point on there and if you search theory on there you'll find the theory test stuff anyway
1: there you go and you mentioned there about people not being able to see us well there will be Because um, I am now living in my new flat. The internet is better. There's an echo in the noise, but the internet is better. But that also means that I am incredibly sad and lonely. So I now have time to do the video to go along with the audio. So the video will go up exclusively into uh, my premium content. Although the goal is to get back to doing the 10-minute previews back on the YouTube channel. And I should... All being well, fingers crossed, uh, have time to do that. Speaking of premium content, well, you can guess where I'm going with this. Go check it out. Uh, £10 a month, you get an absolute shitload of quality content and variety. Um, there are shows over there on the standards check. Uh, today, as we're recording this, I've released an episode uh, that I do a solo episode, Alternative Roots, talking about Christmas and ours instructors. We can better deal with that, starting off with January next year and how we can build towards Christmas next year. Um, although I did accidentally upload the five-minute fairy podcast by mistake instead of (laughs) the alternative routes one and got some very quizzical comments thinking saying, why is this about the fairy and not Christmas? So that went back and got changed. Well, that's the kind of quality you can expect from the Instructor Podcast Premium. And starting from the 1st of December, I'm actually running uh, a five-day challenge over there to get uh, all the premium guys set up to do uh, with the social media for Christmas and hopefully go on to next year. And we've got a planning session planned in, well, not day date yet, but the end of the year, beginning of next year, to get us goals ready and get set up for next year. So loads of awesome stuff, as well as all the discounts. I forgot to mention discounts for client-centered learning, the ADI, PDI, Dr. Go Rhodey. Coaching for Geeks, and the Guild of Mindful Drivers, some exclusive discounts there. So go check it out. Best place to find it is www.theinstructorpodcast.com. Go click on the premium section. If you don't want to listen to premium stuff, just go listen to some episodes. There's 107 currently, uh, and there's some uh, some good stuff over there. But that's enough of me telling you about how awesome everything is. Let's show you how awesome everything is, um, because we're now going to continue with a bit more news. Examiners going on strike chris
0: apparently so um uh, yes firstly it depends if they're a member of the union um the pcs union have said that the first wave of strikes is going to be uh involving uh, the dft and the approach to the strikes is they're not taking massive you know everybody taking one day off kind of thing. Um, they're looking for it to be over a long period of time. They've got a pot of money which is going to support those in, those um, members of, of the union that are striking. So we can expect this to be, you know, it's, it's not going to be the short, sharp, here's two or three days altogether. So I think it's just a case of making sure that you know what's going on Um, you know, and having that dialogue with your pupils, it's designed to get in the way, um, unfortunately. I have to say, examiners particularly, um, we don't pay them enough. I don't think we've ever paid them enough. Um, And especially with the the cost of living crisis is a phrase that I'm hating, but, you know, is so important. Um, And all of those other factors, I understand why. They are, you know, they're looking at strike action and, um, you know, all of these worries are going on. So there's no official information yet as to when or quite how, but it it is going to be happening. Um, I have to also say we've always been lucky with the local test centre that there's no one that's a member (laughs) of the union. Um, So I know it hits some areas far worse than it does, does me, but I just take the view that there's not a lot we can do about it.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's two sides to this. First of all, you've got the instructors and you've got how... it's uh, not the instructors. I'm turning into a student. Uh, you've got the examiners and then you've got how it affects the students. So, I mean, from an examiner's perspective, I will always support anyone that strikes, uh, whether that's the RMT, whether that's instructors, I've done it again, examiners, whether that's um, nurses, nurses, Whatever it is, I, I will support them. And for several reasons, I think the biggest being that they work in that industry. They know a hell of a lot better what's right and wrong and what's fair and what's not than I do as someone that doesn't work in that sector. So I will always take their opinion over mine as to what they should be going on in that sector. And the flip side is, what's wrong with people wanting to try and get more for themselves and get what they think they deserve like you've said they don't get paid enough i agree but it's almost irrelevant what we think they think that they should be paid more potentially so why should we say no you shouldn't be paid more god damn it or whatever us instructors do i I believe that you know if i want to be paid more i had this discussion with a student the other day because i've putting my prices up on January the 1st and told all my students and they were all fine. But a couple have had some interesting conversations with me, not negative ones, gen- genuine curiosity. And someone pointed it out to me that I, I don't think I'd really looked at it this way before. Um, she said, well, I get a pay review every year and I get a pay rise. So you have to give yourself a pay rise. I'm like, actually, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I've not really looked at it that way before. Um, I've gone slightly off topic. There's a surprise. But, yeah, so I think from, from their perspective, strike away. You know, like you said, the, the, the purpose of a strike is to cause disruption. It's inconvenient for us, and we will moan about it, and rightly so, because students are going to suffer, but tough. You know, it's just tough. We can't strike because we, we're not in a union. We, we can't strike because we self I suppose we could strike, but, you know, try organise Yeah, we'd have to get Lou Walsh to organize it, I think.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Next year's relay, round the M25, and we'll just come to a stop. Yeah. Um,
1: She's the only person that can organize a load of ADI to do something. Um, But, yeah, so we can't strike because we're all self-employed, you know, so that – and like I said, no one would care because if we strike, well, people can just learn themselves anywhere or hire an Arnold Clark car to go to their test. But we have different privileges – You know, we can pick and choose when we go on holiday. We can increase our price when we want, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I I do support anyone that's striking, Um, fair play, in my opinion. But like you've said, it is going to impact us, and I'm going to back up massively what you've said. And and I don't know if there are any dates of strikes out yet. I don't think there is, but it's something we need to liaise with our students and, and tell them and let them know in advance. And I can't stress this enough, it's that communication. If they know in advance... They're not going to be as heartbroken when they turn up on the test doesn't go ahead.
0: Mm-hmm. I, th- I think one of, one of the things that I always remember and point out to people is it's not the DVSA. You kind of have to divide DVSA and examiners in 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 strike situations. Um, so you know the DVSA aren't allowed to ask whether someone is striking, so they can't plan in advance to. to counterbalance that. So, you know, I think we have to remember that. And just one thing that really made me realize potentially how this is for the union members. And it's not specifically examiners, there's there's lots of other positions as well, is that they're being asked to pay an extra five pounds a month to uh, be able to fund the people that are striking to to cover their, you know, the the loss of pay. And some of the members are very concerned that that extra five pounds a month they won't be able to find it, so you know that shows how tight some of these situations are. Is is that you know to to be able to try and achieve something that they've all voted? I believe it was record numbers that had turned out, but it was it was very high figures um, that you know they needed over over 50 something percent and and it was 80 something percent and you know the numbers were all there it's not just a few people but to be worried about that five pounds a month i think puts it into you know into um uh, an understandable situation where where you kind of think all right you know it's not always what we see from the outside so you know say i i I, I respect the decision because, as you said, they know where they're at, and and we have. I think we have to acknowledge that, and then do whatever we can do to support our pupils through it, um, and and try and you know keep it all on track, which is what we've been doing with the whole COVID backlog. Um, anyway, we've got good at it. Um, you know, it's yeah, the the greater good. I think.
1: If you were an examiner or in any paid job, I suppose. Would you be part of a union? Would you join a union, do you think?
0: Um, yes. I think yeah, I would. I, 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 I would have used to say no. I, I, I used to think, you know, well, it's just pathetic, that you know, it, it, that it's, it's just a way of getting more money, because it's always about money. So therefore, you start to kind of view it in that way of it's just people want more. But actually, I think it's that they want enough. And it, it, they're not being greedy. Um, yeah, there there's probably exceptions to that. Um I, I think that I, I think that I would. Um I think especially when you're dealing with big organisations or companies, you've got to look after little the little people more so. So if it's a small family run business, then you know it's almost by negotiation and you can go elsewhere if you choose to. But if you're a train driver you're kind of limited in where you can be a train driver, and it's very easy to get walked over. So, you know, I, th- I think they are a necessary part of, of an organisation of that size. And as yeah, my views have probably as as I've got older, I've understood more. Um, and you know, I, I yeah, I, I think I would definitely definitely be doing it.
1: Yeah, it's interesting you say that, especially at the end, about as you've got older, your views have changed a little bit. I turned 40 recently, and I think for the first time ever, I feel like an actual adult. <laughs> I don't think I've ever felt like a grown-up before, but I do. It's very weird. Um, but, yeah, I think I would concur with what you're saying there. I think um, I think the other thing to chuck on there, and this touches back a little bit on what we were saying about awards before, There's a, there's a self-worth sometimes. You know, if if you go to work every day and you feel that you're not, not, not treated correctly, it's all well and good to say, well, find another job, you know, but that's what a Tory MP would say to someone that's not earning enough to feed the kids. You know, it's a really crappy, you know, way to look at stuff. Just find a better job. You should be paid what you're worth. I really believe that. We and we say that about instructors before, you know, it's, it's a slightly different scenario, obviously, but you should be paid what you feel like you're worth. As instructors, we get the privilege going, well, I feel that I'm worth this much now, so I'm going to charge this much. And everyone's view will be slightly different, and that's a privilege you've got. But if you're going to work every day and feeling that you're not treated correctly, whether that's just being not paid what you're worth or whether it's the conditions you're working in or whatever, I think that's that's a big thing. You know, I've been employed before, and I've left because I didn't feel like I was – and I know that's almost going back to what I was saying before about get a different job, but for me it was, I didn't particularly enjoy the job. So if you enjoy the job and want to get paid what you're worth, I think that's a completely different thing. But So yeah, uh, keep an eye out. Um, Like I say, DVSA can ask, um, but we will find out in advance when people are striking. And also, like you mentioned, massive turnout. I seem to remember it being 94%. I have that number in my head for some reason, but you compare that to the turnout for the surveys that ADIs get given. And, you know, <laughs> when you've got that kind of power, when 94% or whatever it was of the people that, that work in your industry are committing to do something, that's when you've got power and sway. When you've got about 7% of the industry, <laughs> probably less, that are, are taking part in anything, that that's where you've got no power and no sway. Um, and I think that that says a lot, and uh, also may tie us into another topic we might come to shortly. It's almost as if these shows are planned, Chris. Almost as if there's some kind heaven of heaven forbid, yeah,
0: heaven forbid. Like yeah. the DITC, just to mention, it has reached out to the PCS union to say, uh, you know, if instructors are more likely to be um, favourable towards towards things if if we've got an idea of what's going on. So we'd love open communications um they they haven't yet and i know it's difficult because they don't want to you know some of it is the power play and not giving the game away um but we have reached out and we will continue to reach out um to to them and any information will be on our socials so you know make sure you follow it to uh to keep informed
1: i might get a t-shirt saying i support striking examiners and walk into the <laughs> what? And
0: see how that goes. Punching them. Yeah. I support striking <laughs> examiners. It might not be the, yeah, the, the thing you were aiming for. i
1: mean, they're going to get slandered by the instructors there or slandered by the examiners there. So or maybe both would <laughs> be interpreted differently. Um, anyway, uh, next thing I wanted to speak about a little bit, and, and this is a new slash uh, relevant topic, is the Are You Ready campaign. Um, so... In fact, let's probably get onto that, because we had the DVSA on the Instructor Podcast again uh, this month. The last episode of the Instructor Podcast featured Amanda Lane, who was head of driver testing and training policy at the DVSA. Uh, Anyone watching the video will have seen me struggle to get that out then. Um, but you're yeah, head of driver testing and training policy. Uh, we don't want to dive into this too much, but how? what were your thoughts on that episode, Chris?
0: Oh, it was really good. Um, I always like hearing it from the horse's mouth because you know challenges in communication um i'd got to the point where i was hearing so many instructors saying how dare the dvsa say this to us you know they're telling us to do this and there's these these reasons against it and everything else. i'd started to to wear out slightly my my kind of uh, like for the campaign because I, I i thought it was really good um all the way through i've liked the engagement and and i was starting to go oh yeah may, maybe i've got it wrong um and it, it just reinvigorated the fact that i think across the board broadly speaking i think it's possibly the best campaign i've seen from the dvsa um you know i, I think it it's it's quite engaging and you know it's it's well thought out, and and there's there's evidence and stats behind it. Uh, as always, it's the communication with us as instructors that is possibly not as strong. Uh, but as a campaign, I, I think it's really good.
1: Yeah, I, I would agree. I think that. The uh, communication has improved. We've said that before, especially by the fact that they come on and spoke about it on the podcast. And, and Amanda was quite open. What well, I will say, and maybe I feel slightly guilty for not saying this about Graham O'Brien, who came on a few months ago, you know, when you speak to someone I you just think, oh, they're lovely. That That's how Amanda came across to me. It's like, oh, I want to speak to Amanda again. She was, and, and Graham O'Brien was exactly the same. They were both so generous with the time. Uh, and it was, if I'd have wanted to talk to him for two or three hours, I mean, I did with Graham O'Brien, admittedly, <laughs> but if I'd have wanted to talk to him, it felt like I could have talked to him all day if I'd wanted. Uh, mm-hmm. And Amanda actually recorded an episode of the five minute theory podcast for me as well, that we oh, nice. directed at learners. Uh, that went out as we're recording this, that went out today, uh, Monday, the 28th. Um, so that, uh, No, it didn't. That went out last week. I'm getting my podcast mixed up. It went out last week, um, and that's got a good response from some learners. I've spoken to mine that have listened to it, and it's just making them think a little bit more. I think the other thing I just want to mention about them coming on the podcast is I, I like it because it feels like they're honest. I don't think that anyone's telling lies. I think they might have different opinions. And yes, there will always be some stuff that they can say publicly. Um, again, go back and listen to the Graham O'Brien episode where I said something, and he specifically said, "I cannot comment on that." Um, we can probably guess what he's thinking, but there, you know, there was an instant there. <laughs> so, I think it's really good with how open they are. I think that, and at the risk of giving myself more credit, which isn't the intention, that they're not afraid to be challenged. You know, they're not bothered the the individual person not the dvs as a whole the individual person that i've spoken to when i've said i actually don't like that or i disagree with that that's not shaking them they've gone okay cool we get that we understand why but this is why we're doing it and i wouldn't expect them to change it i wouldn't expect them to have a conversation with me and go ah i get your point terry we're going to change this whole whole social media strategy because you said that but the fact they take it on board—I mean, me and you um, spoke to them before the the, the part of the campaign mm-hmm. that went out encouraging parents—and they took that feedback on board and they have tweaked it and made amendments because of that. But again, even with that, how good is it that they're reaching out to the likes of me, you, and, and San Harper to get our feedback on the campaign mm-hmm. that they're How to me, that's a, a step in the right direction. Would you agree with that?
0: Yes, and I think. I think that, and it shouldn't, you know, it it doesn't have to be us. Um, they, there should be instructor engagement, but they should make it clear who they've spoken to. Because to look at something slightly different, but um, is the, the potential changes, I don't know what they're going to be to audit. What I want to know is have they spoken to somebody like me that represents similar values, or have they sat in an office and thought, oh, this will be a good idea? And... So I think by knowing and we we have the opportunity to publicly say they spoke to us um, and that's not to say that, you know, our views are right, but at least they've been expressed um, that, you know, I, th- I think that's really important. I think maybe that's something the DVSA should do more is to kind of let the, the channels know that there's been some kind of engagement um, and not necessarily just... NASP channels because I think um, that you know a lot of instructors don't value that as a um, an expression of who they are and what they think. So I think you know if if there was a I don't know a lottery of instructors where they just got a, a random selection and they spoke to them and then said who they'd spoken to that that might might be a, a positive move forwards as well. As
1: long as that lottery includes me as a mandated. Then, then I don't mind. Uh, no, I, I agree. I think it, it's good to speak to different people. I like that they are speaking to instructors. Um, and, you know, for anyone, because I have seen comments kicking about, so for anyone that is kind of, well, why Terry, why Chris or whatever, well, they listen to the podcast, you know, and therefore that I like what they're saying. I'm going to go and speak to them. And like I said, I go back to what I said a, a few minutes ago they're not afraid to be challenged the individuals not the company the company isn't overly keen on being challenged i don't think but the individuals within the company they're not afraid to be challenged they're not afraid to be questioned and they're good at you know backing up what they're saying whether you agree or disagree is almost Mm -hmm. irrelevant they actually they, they do put justification behind it um so yeah i think that that's good But yeah, so check, if you haven't already, go back and check out the podcast for Amanda Lane, Episode 7, and also uh, pass on the 5-Minute Fairy podcast to your learners because we do speak about the importance of taking a driving test when you're ready. And this is the other thing I just want to touch on, and again, get your thoughts on this after, Chris. If you look ultimately what they're doing, and we've said this before, are you ready? That's what they're asking. Are you ready? And for years... Driving instructors have been saying they want the DVSA to support them. Now they may not be supporting them in exactly the way that you want them to, but they are still doing something. They are still doing more, and it's public. You know, I spoke to Graham O'Brien again and spoke about that public facing negativity towards driving instructors, and that feels like it's changed a bit. So that it's are you ready? So I'll, I'll let you come back on that, Chris. I realised there wasn't a question there, but
0: no, I, I yeah, absolutely. Um, I think. The other thing we have to remember is they're basing it on the results at test and the if you are a better than average instructor and it's aimed at below average instructors at whatever level and on whatever metrics – it's not going to be relevant to you necessarily. It is going to go against what you deliver or your beliefs or what you produce for the test because you're not the ones that it's necessarily talking to. It's supporting the values you've got already. Um, whereas, you know, the, it is aimed at the ones below that point who, you know, either need to up their game or totally change their working practices uh, because. The stats are there for a reason. You know, if if you only take people who are ready, your pass rate will be better than someone who just takes people for the fun of it. Uh, so if we if we can up that bottom end, and that's what the DVSA are focused on, they're looking at that bell curve and they're working on the bottom end of it to move it upwards. When that point gets to you, then that's when you've got you know something something to to worry about. But just remember that. If you are up there, that's brilliant. They're really happy. They're not going to necessarily give you the pat on the back because it normally gets thrown back in their face. Um, because we, we're doing the job that we know is important, yeah. uh, but it, it is yeah, I, I, yeah, it is asking the right questions for the right reasons and challenging the beliefs that we don't necessarily hold because we are on the front line and in the industry. But that doesn't mean that parents pupils and the wider public don't hold that that distorted belief and they're trying to straighten it out.
1: I think the other thing to chuck in there is um, what's the problem with trying to increase the pass rate? Why is that seen as a bad thing by some people? Now, again, yes, we don't really want 100% pass rate because that would imply that something else is wrong in the other extreme. Um, But, you know, if you look at anything that has statistics – we want to improve it. You know, we've had Project Edward on the show before. Well, their ultimate goal is every day with our road deaths, Vision Zero. You know, and, and Leeds, thankfully, recently took that up and I think they've said twenty thirty. I might have that date wrong, but Vision, they want zero road deaths by 20. It's like, brilliant. But if we use that same logic that some instructors are using, and I'm not means to be critical, but just stating the facts of we shouldn't be improving, well, why can't, that means we shouldn't be improving anything based on statistics. So let's not reduce the number of deaths on the road. Let's keep
0: them the same. Let's, let's not improve well, GCSE results. Let's keep them the same. Interestingly, if we keep the pass rate the same, but we increase the quality going to test, that means the people that are passing are better because we must have also made it – the, the standard must be a bit higher – um, and as long as that's not artificial with you've got to fail them on a Friday or whatever else we choose to to believe in. Um, if we're improving standards, surely that's what we're all after. So I don't necessarily think that we need to see a change in pass rate. Um, you know, I, I think what we need to see is a change in standards and, and and that things are going up. And because pass rate is a minimum anyway. So you know, it's not necessarily going to correlate, I don't think. I think we're missing something when we look at it in that black and white way. And and I might be wrong, but I, I genuinely believe that what we're all looking for should be for people to be safe. Um and There's a few of my pupils who I've wanted to kill. Um, <laughs> you know, they, they've really pushed me to my limit. But actually, as, as part of my job and them going out on the road, no, that wasn't wasn't what i wanted um you know but i yeah i they haven't made it to the end of their training but that's a different different fact
1: there's been a couple of times of this i probably should admit this on an actual public podcast where
0: the, the dvsa yeah
1: where i thought <laughs> should i press the brake now should i let him crash you know it's like, which is gonna have a bigger impact Um, I once put a poll up in my Facebook group for my students, which I don't really do as much as I should do anymore, but put a poll up there and I asked the question, if you failed the driving test uh, because you crashed my car, what would bother you more, the fact that you'd failed or the fact you'd crashed my car? I think 20 of the students replied and two of them said they'd be more bothered that they'd failed. I'm like, That's, you see, you my car, but you're more bothered that I failed. I tried to then use it as a teaching point with the idea of, well, if the examiner puts their foot on the brake, that essentially means you would have crashed my car. So if the examiner puts their foot on the brake, what would bother you more, the fact that you'd failed or the examiners intervened, and they all went, I'd be more bothered I'd failed. I'm like yes, But it's the same thing, <laughs> you know, um, though, either way. But yeah, just going back to the, the campaign, uh, I want to touch on this for a second more longer. I really like this campaign. I know you've said you like it. I see a lot of negativity towards it, and everyone's entitled to their opinion. I'm not saying I'm right. Obviously, I think I am. Otherwise, it wouldn't be my opinion. But I really like it. Um, We dissected a little while ago when it first came out. Um, I think my big sticking point with this one towards parents. I think one of the things instructors are missing here when they're trying to help parents is that so i'm just amused myself because that's going to sound like i've done a really bad edit when in reality i just changed sentence halfway through um i think one of the it's how your brain brain works um if you ever hear a bad edit my editing's really good my brain isn't that's just how we roll um but yeah so the i think one of the things instructors are missing is that they're not trying to get uh, how can i phrase this they would have been going out for private lessons anyway. So when they're saying, like they did recently, they did a post about have a lesson as a, as a parent, have a lesson with your stu- with your child's instructor. And all the instructors were commenting, saying, "Just one, just one, just you know, complaining about that." And I'm like, "Yes, but it's one more than they would have done. They're not asking you to retrain them because that would involve changing law and mandates if they had to be retrained. But mm-hmm. they're saying." Have something, do something more, and for me as an instructor, now we've spoke about this in a green room before, that was actually my suggestion on a green room before i've still never done it, but it was you know I, I like the idea of it well, perhaps that would actually make a difference i'm not saying it would make that driver completely rethink everything they're doing, but it might make a tiny bit of difference. So I do think that instructors are maybe missing the point slightly, or some instructors are missing the point slightly, that they would have been taking them out for lessons anyway. What the DVSA largely is saying is, but help them. Help them so that yeah. they'll help you in the long run as well. The bit I do disagree with is where they're really pushing for parents to take them out. Because I think if parents and guardians are are not taking them out, I think there's a reason for that, and I also feel like I don't know I said this on the podcast, but I feel that like it's 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 not great for people that can't have private practice, and I do think they've done a reasonable job of wording it. I, I do reasonable, mm-hmm. but I do think it's a bit pointy. You know, well, if you can't have private practice, you're going to struggle. I think it's a bit like that. Anyway, I've spoke a lot there, so yep. I'm going to let you come back and make whatever sense you want out of
0: that. So I think you've been a really good advocate for those that can't afford it or haven't got the ability to do it, and that's been great because the DVSA have listened to that. Uh, but I think that with a, a lot of the, you know, the, the campaign, it's the – it's the the encouragement to get more hours. What we really it was really simple. the more experience they've got, the safer they are. That's really at the heart of it. and I don't think that's necessarily been said. Um, so it's finding ways to get that of actually it's worth looking at because you might save money, you might make them safer. I think what the one of the sticking points is that instructors think it's information that's being given to them forgetting that it's being given to them to then pass on. They're the middle people, and that's what that information's for. If they don't agree with it, then don't pass it on. It's that simple. Um, but do expect to maybe get asked about it because it's being put out there in lots of different ways as, as long as you don't ask them why it's not on TikTok.
1: <laughs> yes. Um,
0: um. Don't mention China. <laughs>
1: China will not be mentioned, neither will Qatar. We are staying non-political <laughs> for this podcast. Um, we never, I'm trying never that. broach politics. Uh, yeah, let, let's again let's put a, a pin in that one. Um, there are two topics that, further that I wanted to cover today, Chris, but we don't have time for two more topics because we've been going for over an hour. So I'm going to give you the choice. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit about the survey and some of the results that came through from? The ADI survey with uh, for the DVSA, or do you want to talk about standards checks and if you've seen a difference, um, you know, since they made the the change, however long ago it was last year? Doesn't feel like last year, but last year.
0: I I think the standards check thing's really interesting because um, there's lots of people that are suddenly talking about standards checks that weren't before, and I, I'm wondering if this is part of that process. Um, so yeah, well, I, I, I would go towards standard checks because the survey is just going to tell us what they're going to do anyway.
1: Okay, cool. Well, I'm going to give you my, I think I've told you this before, but I haven't told the listeners, so I'll say it aloud. Um, the interesting thing for me recently was looking at my stats and my tests over the past 12 months and how at the start of last year, I didn't have the best of starts of the year. But I did have a really good end to the year, so my, my stats for the past year are actually okay. I can't remember them all off the top of my head, but like the my pass rate isn't brilliant. I think it's about fifty-two percent, but the other three stats are are there. I think I'm like bang on five for my my driver faults, and and the others are in. So I'm actually doing okay there. But the second half of this year is dipped down, and what's happening now is that. Oh, I'm struggling to explain this now. As we look back into 2021, the end of last year, that was when I had a lot of my passes coming. So I think I've explained this the wrong way around, but there with me it'll make sense. So as I'm now, my passes are going past that 12-month period. They're coming off my record. And because I don't have any tests lined up in December, then... My pass rate is actually dropping even though I'm not having tests. Yep. And and yes, it is a 12-month period. So, you know, you're looking overall, but I'd not really viewed it from that way before. The fact that the as you move away from a test, if you've had a fail, it's gonna make your current score look better. And if you had a pass, it's gonna make your current score look worse. And I just found that really interesting. I don't know whether it should be longer or shorter, whether 12 months is right
0: or I think it just shows we're all a bit crap <laughs> at maths um, because we're still looking at the test we've had today. That you know that the, the um, and and I had one fail today uh, that they didn't take my number down for. So come and chase me for it. Um, but they um, you know that actually you know it's only as good as the statistics and that rolling year thing when you look at it again some people benefit some don't and it goes up and down and i i trust in the bell curve i um i i do this on a lot of things where they do the same with speed so when they when they look at road speed they take the middle 80% of people and then they average the speed and that gives you probably the speed that's safe for that road because we've got 10% of idiots and 10% of people that are overly safe. We will argue that another day. And then you average the rest out and you're probably about there. So it, it's that same kind of approach. As long as you're inside of that bell curve, you're probably okay. And we we look at it very differently when it's ourselves and, and we're, when we're living in the moment and we're on the timeline. And I think your head is likely to explode. I am generally a big fan of know where you are in the situation so look at those stats but then throw them away again and focus on doing the best once you've got how can i improve then work with how can i improve don't worry about what because you can't change it you know there's nothing you can do about last year um although you and i if we were going to remake bill and ted i think it'd be awesome um so you know maybe we will do the go back and change things but as such, it is it is what it is. So look at it. Go, what did I do then that I could do better now? What have I changed if it's gone down? What was was I doing that I'm not doing now? And then just action the positives um, and get rid of any negatives and, and then use it as a, a barometer again because it's a rolling 12 months. That means you don't have to wait 12 months for the stats to come out. You can do it in three months and see, did it make a change? And yes, there are other variables. Absolutely. But don't honestly, don't get hung up on them. Um, the, as someone who just to, to state my qualifications is an audit trainer. I do lots of work with people. I've during this recording, I've got another one's popped up on my phone saying, please help, uh, regarding a standards check. Um, and you know, a lot of the time I I have a chat with people and and just try and put the world right. so I've spoken to a lot of people about it. Nearly always, it's not about the content, it's about the structure. And if, if you get your structure right, the standards check itself looks after itself. And I think there's a big difference between that and your statistics uh, because the statistics aren't on a standards check all the time. So from a standards check perspective, get the structure right. Interestingly, to get your statistics better... Look at the structure, get the structure right. Because if you're if you've got a a cookie cutter and, and you're using that and then you're you, you, you can decorate the cookie uniquely for each pupil. I'm not going against client centred. But if we've got the cookie cutter and it's working, then brilliant. If it's not working, then we can change it. And we can make sure we've got structure. And I think that's what we miss the most. And I, I think as lovely as all these numbers are and i'm a numbers geek i do enjoy them um i like looking at those things as lovely as they are they make you feel like poop i can't remember if i'm allowed to swear or not so i went you can
1: say shit. it's fine
0: um (laughs) i talk it all the time but yes in this case i don't think i am structure look at it it sounds boring as hell every single person that's had a problem there's been an issue with structure that I've come across um, or, or or they're really, really crap. And if that's you, then, you know, by all means, get some CPD and, and get that sorted because you can. Uh, but people struggle to see that in themselves.
1: I mean, let's face it. Anyone that is a crap instructor isn't going to be listening to this podcast because they're not interested in CPD. You know, it's that type of... Anyway, okay. uh, when you were talking then, I had a bit of an epiphany because I, I've realised that I feel like I've spoken a lot during this episode, more than usual. And I think it's because you keep saying things with lots of interesting points. I have to come back to them all. Um, so I'm going to skip over Bill and Ted. Uh, I'm going to skip over whether we can swear the show is mad explicit because I can't go an hour and a half without. <laughs> um, but a couple of points I want to mention. Uh, firstly, I found it interesting that when you were talking about the bell curve with speeding, how you refer to the speeders as idiots, the 10% of speeders are idiots, but the 10% that are going too slow as driving too safe. And I would class them both in the idiotic category, potentially. So I thought that was interesting.
0: I, 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 I get that. I think the choice to go faster than is safe is idiocy. The choice to go slower than is safe, it, there's probably a reason behind it that I would empathise with. Would,
1: weirdly, when you were saying that then, and I'd be interested in your thoughts on this because I know you're a little bit of a wordsmith, my thought was the choice to go faster than is safe is idiocy, but the choice to go slower than is safe is stupid. It doesn't make you an idiot. Not to means, the
0: individual. Yeah. But may, maybe actually we're misjudging the people who are going faster. So, you know, it, we the assumption is that, that they know that it's stupid. So may, maybe it depends on intent. But we could, that, I could discuss that That's a whole separate but <laughs> yeah. we'll,
1: we'll put another pin in there. Are a lot of pins going into there. Um, right, so... We... It's
0: like a <laughs> Yeah.
1: I mean, there's some of me somewhere, I'm sure. Um, hi, Emma. Um, the, the stats... You don't know which Emma I'm referring to. The stats... Um... <laughs> Oh, dear me, I'll try that again. The stats are fascinating for me. I I love it. And part of this, I'm talking about the podcast again, but I will paw over the stats for these shows. I just find it fascinating. Um, And you never know the exact reason. You have to kind of build a reason to why this show's done well or this show hasn't or or why there was a peak on this day. But it's fascinating looking at it and trying to work out why. And I think that makes me pour over the, um, the test stats even more when I didn't really pay that much attention to it, if I'm being honest, until they brought in these changes. So that's a good thing. It's making me look at them more. But, I mean, just what we were talking about before there, the, the, the curious thing for me is today I've had a test moved to January because of fog, bad weather, basically. To this year, time tomorrow, so tomorrow, last year, I had a test pass with one driver fault. So if my test today had passed, then my score would then stay the same. But my test got moved, so my score drops. So in theory, I could trigger a standards check tomorrow, and I don't have another driving test. I think I could have this wrong. I don't think I've got another driving test till next year. Oh, no, I have. I've got one. Um, so yeah, but in theory, I could trigger a standards check tomorrow So if they look at my stats tomorrow or not today, I know this isn't how it works, but if they looked at my stats tomorrow or not today, I'm getting a Sanders check. But if they don't look in December and look in January, I'm fine again. And look, this is the thing. If you're having, like I am, clearly, your test results are borderline, that's always going to happen. As you said, if you're really, really poor with your test results, you're always going to be in that lower bracket. If you're really good with your test results, you'll be in the higher bracket. You won't be where I am. But because my results for last year have been quite borderline, especially in terms of pass rate, that's where the issue is. And that, that only reflects on me, not the DVSA. That reflects on me, and I find that fascinating. I really do. But going back to what you said, um, yeah, I think I agree wholeheartedly. I, I'm not a trainer. I'm not audit trained, anything like that. For me, it's purely experience and seeing that when I go wrong, it's usually – not the content of the lesson, because the content, as you I know, you mentioned client set learning, the content will generally be the same. You're generally gonna do some driving, you're gonna be in a car, and you're probably gonna talk a bit. So the, the actual basics of it is going to be the same. It's how that's structured and formatted and you know mm. what what okay, you're struggling with clutch control. Right, let's go do a roundabout. That'll help. You know, is 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 that is that the sort of thing you're referring? to? I know it's an extreme example, but is that the sort of thing? Yeah,
0: yes, it, it's it's trying. It's very hard if you don't standardize stuff. So this is the the thing of the DVSA. If they looked at each instructor individually and went and had the chat and and said, right, yeah, you know, we'll see what you do, and then we'll judge what you do as a separate thing. And they haven't. They've standardized everything. And the very fact that it's then an average score that they're working to of some kind. It's averaged out to get that to get that point at which they feel there's enough below the line to work with, but not too many. There's going to be a lot of instructors at that point. And you can either, you know, te- tear your world apart trying to figure out why and 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 trying to juggle it and, and worry about it, or What's better is to see if you can improve one thing that is going to put you further above that line because then you aren't going to worry about it anymore. So look at your structure and see, is it that you're not setting decent goals at the beginning? Is it that you're not engaging with the pupil about how the how the, the roles in the car are going to work and who's going to do what? Is it that your feedback at the end isn't very constructive or um proactive as to what you're going to be doing next or that maybe and and this is totally non-judgmental maybe you don't really remember what happened on the last lesson and you need a better way of keeping notes but have some structure in there instead of freestyling it and i was the most guilty person for that for lots of reasons um put some structure in there and and then use that structure to mean that you're, by improving that one thing on that one lesson, you carry that across to improve all the lessons. And then you haven't got to worry about them numbers. <laughs> that's it. And it sounds easy because it isn't actually that difficult. But worrying about the whole thing, that's a whole complicated mess.
1: I think it's fascinating. I really do. I think that... You know, going back to what you said before about client-centered learning, and you know, the cook, cook, can I say cookie-cutter approach. It's like I said, you know, it's client-centered learning to a degree. We, you know, we've all we all hear instructors cite the example of what if you ask someone on their first lesson what do you want to do, and they say motorways. Well, a I don't really think anyone's ever said that. You know, or there'd be the extreme example where someone does say that. But, like, friend of the show Bob Moore would say, he would ask them, Well, what do you need to do to be able to do more ways? And they'll say 70. And you say, Right, well, we've not done 10 yet. So we practice with that first. You know, so, but, so even that's client centered, but you're not letting them do what they want. And that, that's never been the idea of being client centered.
0: The, there's a, the, the, the move has been to put the client, pupil, whatever in control of their learning, not in control of the lesson. And there's a big difference there, that they need to be in in control, engaging in the learning process, because otherwise they can sit there with their fingers in their ears and they're not going to learn. So being in, in control of their learning, taking responsibility for their learning is really important. Taking control of the lesson and what we're going to be doing next and that structure is still the instructor, coach, whatever's job. Because we know, because we see the big picture. Now we can share that big picture with them and let them choose from it. Absolutely. We can find out whether there's something that's not on our radar that is on theirs or something that is on our radar that they don't think is important. And we can discuss it and all of that stuff. But there's a difference between learning responsibility and lesson responsibility. And I think that's been blurred and we get it wrong. Um, and I think that the, the the question I hate is the what would you like to do today? Because I, I think that that puts a lot of pressure on that person who sat next to you. And we assume that they're going to get that right, that they know what's best for them. I don't know what's best for me um and i've been reminded of that a lot over the last few weeks um other people are are, are very kindly and supportively pointing out that sometimes certain you know certain things are, are are not the best thing or i'm ignoring things that i need to focus on and and we all need that accountability and i think you know therefore keep them accountable you can you can ask them you know how how would you like to or what do you think the best way is to do something but actually it's okay to say, today it's going to be roundabouts because I know that that's what's going to be best or it's going to be, you know, working on a particular skill set rather than a subject. But then get them engaged in how. that That's absolutely fine. But I think sometimes the what, I feel it's baby in bathwater uh, time that, that we're, you know, we're, 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 it's all got to be, everything's coming from the pupil. Um, because that's the coaching way, but we're working in a technical subject, and sometimes we know better.
1: I'd be interested to get your thoughts on my general kind of opener to the to the lesson, which is once you've had a fifteen minute chat about you know therapy session fifteen minutes to start less than that but <laughs> it it's then okay, so this is what we did last week or I'll ask them what did we do last week and and get their thoughts on that then it'll be so. Do you want to do? Do you think you'd be better off doing more on that, or do you want to look at something new? That's that's how I kick it off. It yep. doesn't tend to be what do you want to do. It'll be do you want to do that? And I think I think I find that a good way to start because that shows how confident they're feeling about that thing or bored potentially.
0: I, I think. Firstly, I'm really upset that you don't go. I'm Terry Cook at the beginning of each of your. Do you know episodes. who I am? Um, you do it on the podcast, so I kind of expect oh, it. Right. You know, <laughs> a little. Oh, sorry, I'm but, interrupting um, you now
1: because now I'm going to start my lessons with. Uh, I am your splendid instructor for today, Terry Cook. I'm delighted to be here, and even more delighted that you have chosen to
0: learn with me. That's how it works in my head. So yes, <laughs> right. you should. Um, so I, I think I think to re- reinforce the benefits of the way that you're approaching it. There is the instructors are really keen to move on to the next thing. We get bored easily. Um, if you've got a new pupil and you're going around the block, you start thinking, well, you know, they're going to judge me because they haven't, you know, gone the other way around the block. Or, you know, we get bored. Sometimes it's the best thing for them. And they know that. that They're, they're not looking at the scenery. They're thinking about the skill. So if it gives them the ability in that small space to to work on that, they feel safe. They feel that they're learning. They're in control of that learning. It's being done in a way that suits them. They're not. They're not bored. You are, and and I get that. And sometimes, you know, I, I when I was in the car uh, on a regular basis, and and I had you know the reputation for the ones that everybody else was struggling with, we'll just send them to Chris. I had some pupils that you know. I, I yeah, it, 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 you could see the weeds growing outside as we were going around and repeating things because they need they needed that and that's fine but I did find it boring at times and it, I find it found it hard to engage and, and and you know pep up the lesson but the same with a maneuver just because we're happy with the standard that they've achieved doesn't mean they are doesn't mean they don't want to do some repetition so encouraging that, is a lovely way of doing it and I think the 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 only thing I would I would say um which I expect you probably do but basing it on what you said is I've got a big thing about the difference between a session and a lesson and that a session is the amount of time that we have and actually inside of that we do lots of different lessons and I think that same approach should be given at the end of each chunk so if you are doing a manoeuvre looking at that that same kind of going you know so are we going to keep going at this or do you want to change it uh, twist or stick is my is my favorite approach um, and you know I, I think again it gives them control on the learning and and they're at the helm but you're giving them the choice. And I think that's our job, is about giving options and choices to give. If if that way of learning or that way of explaining something hasn't worked, we should be able to come up with something different. If they don't get that junction, we should be able to find a different way to teach that junction or whatever it might be. So so yeah, as, as an approach, I, I think it's a really nice one because it, from the outset, gives them uh, the sense of of being in control of that journey. Cool. Um, you
1: mentioned there about instructors being bored in lessons. Um, I'm trying to think of a way to phrase this question that isn't loaded. Um, do you think that we put the correct amount of emphasis on students enjoying lessons?
0: I, I don't think I can talk about we, there's being that there's so many yeah, instructors out there. Um i i i think I, uh, uh, what i was like, i know full well there's instructors out there that don't put enough emphasis on enjoyment of lessons um you know the 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 slightly more uh, flamboyant of us uh when we're teaching or the the, the crazy ones um you know, the the ones that actually enjoy enjoy it and we have a bit of fun and a laugh um that you know you'll get those comments about well, you know, my instructor just sat there for an hour and didn't say anything, you know, so yeah there, there, there's not the right balance, but that's that's probably goes in both directions. Yeah. We're probably back at my 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 favorite bell curve again, um because I also think there's some instructors that try to have too much fun and enjoyment. And they forget that learning needs to be taking place and actually stopping and having that serious conversation for the pupil's benefit that the pupil needs just because the instructor doesn't is, is equally important. So yeah. It, it, isn't it all about balance? Yeah. And that, you know, so, so yeah. being honest, I think it's one of the things that I like slip this
1: year was the idea of students enjoying it as well as learning it. And uh, we spoke about it, I spoke about it with other people, but there was a student not that long ago who, who said something about it and it was like, yeah, I'm not up to my usual standards. I mentioned, I think, once before about someone who said, um, I'm not as early as usual or I'm late or something like that. and And it wasn't I was late, I was just three minutes early and I'm usually 15 minutes early. And the reason I'm usually 15 minutes early is because I despise the idea of being late for a lesson. And if I'm 15 minutes early and something goes wrong, then I'm only going to be five minutes early and I still won't be late. But she'd notice that rather than being 15 minutes early, I was just a few minutes early. And that was one of the things that made it click for me. I'm not quite putting into this what I used to. And, you know, we speak about standards and you speak about minimum and maximum standards. Well, I think my minimum standards had slipped a little bit. And they were probably still acceptable standards, you know, but they weren't my acceptable standards. And part of that was making sure the students actually enjoyed the lesson, you know, because if you're enjoying it, you're going to get more from it. If you're sat there, bored, senseless, and thinking, I wish this guy had shut up, then you're not learning all that lesson. You know, when you get to a point where the student can say to you, I think this car's a bit bland, can I prettify it? That's the point you want to get to. When I get to the point where with a student, and this is kind of a little win, another win I'm shouting about because I don't think this would have happened a few months ago, but the student last weekend, and I says, what you know? What do you want from me today? She went, I want you to be as silent as possible. And I looked at her, she went, Oh, no, she says, I like talking to you, but you, you're making me too comfortable. I need you to make me feel uncomfortable by being silent. And you can even throw in the odd mean comment. And I've, the expression you've just pulled, I pulled. And and she went, not personal, because don't insult me. <laughs> Keep it driving me later. I'm like, all right. But I'm like, when you're at that point, that, that shows that rapport, Ray Seagrase, everything, the, the rapport you've got with your student. And it's like, yeah. And I think I'm getting back to that now.
0: And linking together the two things about us monitoring our, our own where we are in the world, looking at our stats equally. Um, and I can't remember which country it is where they don't use um, gross domestic product um, GDP to, to measure things. They, they use um, the happiness index, um, you know, the, the, the gross domestic happiness. Um, we need to do the same. That sometimes it, it's our own mental health that we need to be focused on. It's that actually it's okay to not be okay, uh, but we need to address that, especially if it's having effect, an effect on our pupils. And that that's not always easy. We've all been through stuff, and and I think finding ways and and that's one of the things to take a moment, which we spoke about earlier of of giving the recognition it's one of the things that i think you've done amazingly well with the instructor podcast because it's not all about the traditional being a driving instructor it's also about looking after yourself and your pupils and and i think being able to acknowledge that that there's been this change and sometimes you just know that you're not doing what you used to do, sometimes it's hard to then readdress that. And and if you can just find that way to have a bit more fun, um, or, you know, find what you loved. And if you can't, then a- again to tie on oh, a big ribbon, consider getting another job. Um, you know, because actually and I say that not because, you know, everyone should get kicked out of the industry if they're not having fun or lessons. Um, but it should be you in, love what you do. Yeah, you know, my other hat is a business coach. The number of times I've said to people, you know, the reason that you're searching for for help is because you're hating your job. Um, either find a way to love your job or find another <laughs> job because the life's too short.
1: But I mean, even with that, if I was to come to you for a, an hour's coaching session, part of the reason I would come to you is because I would know that I wouldn't be bored for an hour. I would. Get what I need to get out of it, but I would also get your amusing anecdotes and your not so funny jokes. But you get my point. It's it's that part of it, and and I think that I think that I forget that sometimes, and I think I forget that because I do specifically scroll social media. I'm not always the most active, but I will set aside ten or fifteen minutes a day to go and look at what's being said in groups because I want to get a feel for what's going on, but also learn stuff and, oh, this is happening, I didn't know this, you know, that type of stuff. But you see that much tripe and spite and nonsense written that I think sometimes you forget that at the heart of it, we're teaching people to drive, they're paying us. Why would they pay someone to shout them and be miserable? You know, let, let's crack a joke when they get in. Be pleasant to them. Say goodbye and thank them for the time at the end of the lesson. I think that's massive when Anyway, bit of another tangent. So let, let's finish with this question then. Have you noticed a change in people's approach to the standard check over the last couple of years? Because you're someone that deals with a lot of driving uh-huh. instructors. I'm caveating this. Uh, You're someone that deals with a lot of driving instructors and will speak to a variety of instructors daily. You do the one thing in the world that I will never be able to do, and that's being like WhatsApp groups with more than two people because I cannot pay attention. Um, So, and obviously as as, uh, part of the DITC, you liaise with the DVSA, you liaise with NASP, you liaise with uh, lowly instructors like myself. So I'm interested in what you've seen in that in that regard
0: i i think the longer it goes on the better the understanding that's out there so you know the the it's not a big mystery now most people have been through things or you know they've got a good understanding of what's working um but some of the advice is still rubbish and what I normally end up dealing with, sadly, isn't people who are going, yeah, actually, no, I'm going to change that. I was going to say I end up dealing with people who failed once or you know previously had issues and are worried. There's probably been an increase in people that are coming to me before their standards check, um, and I don't think I've noticed consciously noticed that. But, it, yeah, there are more people that have, um, even if it's just for a chat. Uh, And always happy to do so. Um, But I think that the reason for people failing um, or where people are worried they're going to get it wrong is normally down to um, not understanding what the DVSA are looking for um, rather than not knowing what they're looking for. So it's misunderstanding rather, rather than lack of information and lack of knowledge. So... The the big one is the one that we've spoken about, which is um, you know how are you today and what would you like to go and learn? You know, um, I'm waiting for someone to say archery or you know <laughs> something random because it's such a broad question. You know, structure is key, and it's okay to have structure, and I th- I think that's. Um, A move that's happened because you've got the move of the people delivering the information as well. People like myself who are saying, you know, we've moved on from from teaching people to almost suck eggs about the um, the standards check to make sure that they've got the understanding right, and it's all new, and we're just trying to filter and sift it through. What we're actually saying is, you know, these are the key points. Uh, Bob Morton, we've mentioned, has got a a really good. structure that he he delivers and and people who've sat on his course um and you know they've they've come away understanding that structure and if you can understand the building blocks you can better make it suit you so rather than do this and you'll pass it's this is the requirement how are you going to make that fit what you do so you haven't got to do something totally alien and i think that move that change has been going on um, and yes, thank you for helping me recognise that there are actually more people that are getting in touch before, which is what we've always wanted. And, you know, same with, um, you know, uh, with the theory test, definitely, and with the um, uh, the part one for PDIs as, as well. I'm, I'm seeing more people that are saying, I want help, and we're realising there's help available. So maybe that's become more normalised.
1: And just to go back to what you were saying about that question of, you know, what do you want to do today? It's a bit like me asking you on this podcast and saying, what do you want to talk about today, Chris? Uh, And then you saying Star Wars, which would be great to talk about, but probably not great for the listeners that have tuned in to listen to us talk about all these awesome topics. Whereas if they wanted to listen to what you wanted to talk about, they could sign up to the premium membership and listen to the Green Room Extra, which is where you ask me a random question I have no idea what's coming. Um, That's always fun. But that's what you want to talk about, and that's not now. Um, however, uh, I am going to take a moment to thank you for joining us today. It's been a, a bit of a long episode today, but we've covered a lot. There were a lot of news to get through and a very interesting chat about Sandwich at the end. At the end. So, uh, yeah, thank you for joining us, Chris. And I'll just finish up by reminding people where they can find you.
0: No, absolute pleasure to be here. Thank you, and uh, you can find me at theditc.co.uk or Theory Test Explained, depending on what you need me for. Or just tap me up on Facebook and send me a message, and I'll always point you in the right direction if I am not it.
1: Don't tap Chris up. Just don't tap him (laughs) up. I don't think. I think we have different ideas about what that means. Uh, But yeah, thank you. Is is this?
0: is this a north south divide thing? It
1: may be. It's sexual innuendo. Yeah. We don't we don't need sexual innuendo on this show. We've already discussed how much of a hunk I am, you know. We don't need to give people more <laughs> food for thought. Um so, oh, dear. Uh, right, let's see if I can finish the show <laughs> in a coherent fashion after that note. Uh, yeah, so thank you for joining us. Uh, go check out the DITC, go check out Theory Test Explained, but also check out the Instructor Podcast, www.theinstructorpodcast.com. You can find all the previous episodes. There's about 107 on there at the moment. You can find the transcripts for the show when I eventually get round to doing them, but they are up there gradually. And you can find more stuff on the premium, as you mentioned before, but for now, I'm going to love you and leave you. I'm going to finish with a phrase that you use in the 5-Minute very podcast because I've spoken about it a lot today anyway. I messed it up already. So let's go with it, which is stay safe and drive safer.
0: The Instructor Podcast with Terry Cook. Talking with leaders, innovators, experts and in game changers about what drives them.